0: Good evening and welcome to the Overtime Heroics baseball podcast, Cheap Seats Chatter. I'm today's host, Matthias Altman-Kurosaki. And with me, we have Brian Splashpots. And of course, from the Pacific Northwest, we have Alex Clark. First things first, guys, how are you guys doing on this fine Friday evening?
1: Always fun to be recording and especially after a World Series that ends the way that I wanted it to end. It's always fun to see. The Braves have been my second team. I've Said that a number of times. But uh hey, Mac, how are you feeling about the uh how you feel about the World Series there, buddy?
0: <laughs> we'll we'll get into that
1: later. <laughs> well, hey, I know someone who's very excited about the World Series, and that is Splash. But it was we had you on the podcast, but I can only I can only imagine you're in good spirits right now.
2: Yeah, you know, today I spent quite a long time playing baseball century on my laptop. Sadly, I could not win the World Series with the Braves. I did win two National League pennants, but I lost the A's twice. But my Atlanta Braves are World Series champions for the first time in 26 years. So that's always exciting. Big shout out to everyone on the team. And even even, uh, AJ Minter was going back and giving shout outs to guys from like 2015, 2016. That was very cool. But go Braves.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's the World Series is over. It's it was a, it was very fun to watch. I will say, um, even as a rival observer, that was it was it was fun to watch those guys. Um, I will say though, not only is baseball over, it is also cold, very cold now. Um, temperatures have been in the 30s the past couple of days, uh, for at least part of the days. So. Cold weather is not necessarily my thing. I understand I am in upstate New York, so I'm going to get plenty more cold weather these next few months. So, you know, that's that's that. But anyways, uh, now that you guys have mentioned it, the World Series is wrapped up and like you said Splash, your Atlanta Braves for the first time since 1995 have a title. That is the first Atlanta sports title since 1995. Nothing for the Hawks or Falcons in between or the thrashers you know it, it's it was a great story but uh you know splash you haven't been on the show really uh since the postseason began so I w- i'm gonna go to you first you know just bes- besides your just pure excitement like what 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 were your other thoughts uh throughout that series
2: uh so first off shout out to the brewers for making me look like an absolute buffoon yeah I, picked I was gonna them mention to win the that World series uh so <clears throat> as a whole it It was strange. It was a strange feeling to have like confidence in a sports team for once. Um, Like just as a a Braves fan, it's like, oh, we're going to lose eventually. We're going to blow a three-win lead to the Dodgers. But after losing game five, I was like confident for once, you know, and after losing game five of the World Series, I was like, we're going to close this out. We're going to go Josh Beckett, Florida Marlins style and win game six in Houston. Right. And um, I actually sent a Uh, A Snapchat to one of my good friends, Braves fan. And I said, Max Fried's going to go with Josh Beckett tonight, and we're good. He went six scoreless innings. Last guy to do that was actually Rodano Ventura, but the guy before that was Beckett, game six, Florida Marlins against the Yankees in 03. So just thrilling to have confidence in your team and then come through. What a, and just a resounding win in game six. Jorge Soler hit a moonshot. I don't know if it's landed yet. Dansby, Got on the board with a dinger. Freddie hit a dinger. Hopefully that's not his last dinger as a Brave. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a future podcast, but what a, just an exciting time. I wish I was at the parade today. Um, we're recording this on Friday. So <clears throat> huge parade in the city of Atlanta. The bus driver was going a million miles per hour. So that was that was funny, but it was so cool to see all the guys, the AJ Minters cowboy hat, Mike Soroka holding the world, the commissioner's trophy, Just uh, Jock Peterson dropping F-bombs at Truist Park. It was all just so cool to watch. And I know,
0: Alex, you mentioned, you know, they're your second team. So how much does this make up for your your Mariners, I guess?
1: Absolutely none. Just letting you know, it makes up absolutely nothing. But it does make me happy, if anything, because the Astros did not win. And I will say, I feel a little bit proud because when we talked on the podcast last, um, I made a prediction because it was after game five that we made this last, after our last podcast. And at that time, I said that either the Braves are going to win it in six or the Astros are going to win it in seven. And I'll say I was right. One of the things I I talked about a lot is that the Braves were really going to go all out in that game. And if free didn't go long, then they're going to say, Anderson, go and get in there. Now we need this win. And they really didn't come to that as free did really, really well. He had pitched a pretty darn good ball game. And what was really nice about it is that the offense started strong and did not let up. That whole game was really fun to watch for the Braves as we were talking going into the series that this was going to be a team of hyper offenses. And you know what? It really kind of was. You take a look at the games as they overall happened. There's only two games where the highest, like where there were, excuse me. There's only two games where uh, the highest score was a three, as games three and four uh, had the Braves winning two to nothing, and then the Braves winning three to two. But every other game had at the very least seven runs of offense, and that's what was cool is that we saw a lot of good offensive baseball, which is what we expected to see. We didn't expect to see amazing pitching duels. We expected to see guys hitting the long bomb. And it was surprisingly mostly the Astros. I mean, sorry, mostly the Braves. We expected the Astros to be able to do a lot of long bomb hitting, but no, the Braves just kind of took all their thunder.
0: Yeah, that was, it was just, you know, that, that series. I mean, I, I'm going to echo what a lot of people said about this, but, when Jorge Soler hit that three run homer, it really did remind me of the Albert rules home run off of Brad Lynch. I mean, he got every ounce of that slider and, you know, it was, you know, slider, you know, Garcia, he kept throwing that slider and, you know, you could tell that Soler was picking it up, you know, he kept missing his spots and then he got that slider to hit and he did not miss it. You know, he destroyed that baseball. I mean, like like Splash said, I don't know. I did that ball land. I mean, I don't I don't think that ball ever landed. I mean, he hit that like a million miles per hour. I mean, that was insane. You know, I'm really happy for Jorge Soler. I know that this is his second World Series ring, but you know, he was he was struggling, you know, with Kansas City when the Braves got him. And he he really kind of like Kyle Schwarber, where he adjusted to batting leadoff, you know, he did very well hitting leadoff. And this series, I mean, three homers, he won series MVP, slugged 800. Just all around, he was the star of the series. And the other guy I'm really happy for has got to be Freddie Freeman. You know, Freeman has been with the club uh, his entire career. He came up in 2010. You know, he saw the, the heartbreaking finish of the 2011 season, you know, those other you know, early playoff exits. And then he finally gets his World Series ring. You know, if there's a guy – I'm trying to think in the entire league, you know, other than say, you know, like, you know, the guys like Mike Trout, if there's a guy in the league who deserves a ring more than anyone, it's got to be Freddie Freeman. You know, he's a great, great ambassador for the game. Plus, he's been with the Braves his entire career. So really, really happy for Freddie Freeman. You know, it was just the Braves, they, they made their statement in game one. And you know, I'm not going to lie. I was skeptical after Game Two because you know the Astros came back, and you know they they attacked in Game Two. And then I was a little skeptical after Game Five just because you know you come back from a four run deficit and like you know they you you win on the road going back home. You think you have some momentum going, but the Braves stopped all momentum the Astros had. Max Freed in the first inning gets into a little trouble, and then from there he was lights out. So I was hoping for a complete game personally, but. I mean, a uh, fantastic season for the Braves. And you mentioned the parade splash. The parade was taking place apparently down the block from where my brother lives. So <laughs> I don't think, I don't know if he got out of his house today <laughs> or his apartment today, you know, that, that parade, it's, it seems like it was a blast.
2: Yeah. I would have, I would have killed to be there. <clears throat> I was, uh, if my uncle didn't have like plans already last weekend, I would have gone to game uh, game four Saturday night which would have been a once in a lifetime kind of experience. So that's a bummer, but I did get to watch everything on my laptop. So just so cool. And I, I have these little pennants on my, uh, one of the walls in my dorm and I take them down when teams are eliminated from the playoffs. So the Braves, it's right now the Braves and 29 pieces of blue tape. So it's it's kind of setting in. So I think that's just super cool. <clears throat> uh, really grateful that I could experience that and super, super happy for everyone there. You, you mentioned Freddie Freeman. I want to throw it to Brian Snitker. I am not the biggest fan of Brian Snitker. I am a very much a, vi- a fire snit kind of person throughout the season, but he spent 45 years in baseball, all with the Braves organization and he wins the world series. Um, this is a also a huge moment for guys like Dansby Swanson grew up a Braves fan, went to Vandy, then gets drafted by Arizona then gets traded back to or gets traded to Atlanta he's been a lifelong Braves fan gets to win a world Marietta series too yeah <clears throat> wins the world series as the Braves starting shortstop and then you go down the line you have Adam Duvall, mid-season acquisition Eddie Rosario mid-season acquisition Jorge Soler world series mvp midseason acquisition Jock Peterson goes back to back I, just incredible um Charlie Morton was a gamer in game one, broke his leg through like 20 more pitches, and then like just couldn't physically do it, and at, and th- at the end, Atlanta needed all of those outs, because Minter went two and two-thirds and like practically died on the mound that night. But just just exciting. Um, <clears throat> All six games. Although I was superstitious in Game Six, I was I had to do some work beforehand, so I wasn't watching the game from the start. But I had it on my laptop. The Braves like break out to the six nothing lead. I'm like, I don't want to jinx it and turn this game on and immediately Atlanta sports happen. So uh, I don't think I turned on the game proper until Free got pulled after six. So
0: yeah, we we're, we, we all get that way.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, we talked we talked about that a lot during the last podcast. The uh, the, just how bad Atlanta sports have been over the last few years, the last few years, number of years. And I totally get it. Yep. I'm with you on that. But, uh, look, the other, I gotta give, I we talked about this a lot already, but you gotta give some credit to Morton, man. That guy was a guy, especially for the Braves. He was going to be that guy that if he got the chance in game five or six, he would have gladly ran with it. But again, just bad luck for him. Takes that comeback off, breaks his leg. It still continues to pitch. I mean, my God, that guy is tough. Now, on top of it, being able to finish out that inning and then go out to then go and strike out Altuve, you can't say that, oh, he couldn't. As a, he couldn't make it out any further than that. I'm like, he had a broken leg and he was pushing off of it. That's look, give the man, that guy, that guy deserves like a medal for what he's done. And then after, after the first game, he apologized. Fez saying, sorry, I couldn't make it through. I'm like, why are you apologizing? You got hit and broke your leg and still tried. Gosh, there are people that don't try and (laughs) don't try at all when they're completely healthy. Yay. But look, Morton, that's a guy that i think truly does deserve that ring and this one just again he's really kind of the embodiment of what these braves were this postseason they're a team that was scrappy that was willing to fight and was going to push through whatever they could to make to make it work and they truly did that this offseason
2: and this is such a weird year like this to me wasn't supposed to be the braves year You know, you have all the struggles throughout the season and you lose Acuna at the all-star break and you're just sitting there like this really isn't going to be our year. Next year, maybe you get Soroka back. Acuna is going to come back in April, May, whenever, you know, everything's going to be okay, but just not this year. It happens in every sport. You have a down year. You bounce back the next year. And then Alex Anthopoulos comes from the top rope and splashes perhaps the greatest trade deadline in the history of sports, right? You bring in four pieces, all of them hit in the outfield. Like, how often does that happen?
1: And on top of it, like, not to, like, interrupt you here for a second,
2: we were, I remember
1: we were talking about the, at the trade deadline, we did our tra- little trade deadline, like, spectacular, like, the first time that Cheap Sea's Chatter has ever been live. And we were talking about, oh, they needed to do more, or these were just, like, putting Band-Aids over a large wound like it wasn't fixing the problem. Now we're looking at it here. It is November 5th. Yeah, November 5th. And those pieces that were bandages just saved the season and won a World Series for Atlanta.
2: Yeah. And like, just to echo that, who's the 2021 NLCS MVP? Oh, a guy that was on Cleveland to start the year. Oh, what about the 2021 World Series MVP? Oh, a guy that, for most of the season was on Cody Bellinger pace for being atrocious at baseball. Like these are guys that are playing, playing the other league and Alex Anthopoulos just casually says, Hey, Cleveland, you want Pablo Sandoval for Eddie Rosario? Sure. And then you get the, a guy that s- sets the all-time NLCS hits record. And wins the NLCS MVP and is a huge reason why the Braves make the World Series. And then, oh, he he goes over to Kansas City. Hey, what do you want for Jorge Soler? Oh, got it. Okay, boom. And then you have a World Series MVP on your team. A guy that, like, just a special, special run from Soler with batting leadoff late in the season. All right, he's not supposed to bat leadoff. He's the most, I I can't think of a player other than Schwarber, like you mentioned earlier. There's, he's a historic outlier as like a leadoff hitter because he doesn't get on base and he has isn't great speed. It's essentially pure power out of Solaire. And it's just, you know, back in July, I didn't know how it was all going to fit in because I thought, Oh, we're getting four corner outfielders and Rosario is hurt right now. Who's going to play center still Heredia. Now, I don't want to deal with that, but then Duval admirably played center field. You know, he hit the game against the Dodgers that he hit a home run. Then the next half inning, he robbed a home run. Like I, that's awesome. Rosario was competent and left Solaire and Peterson were competent in the corner outfield spot. So I was worried about defense didn't need to be. And all four of them had their moments. Of course, two of them were series MVPs in the playoffs. Uh, Peterson struggled in the world series, but he had a solid NLCS, um, had a huge home running game too, I believe. Um, And then Duvall was kind of steady Eddie, um, great defensively. He might win a gold glove this year. uh, But Just just a kind of special run. And every every one of the Braves organization, top to bottom, this is as well-rounded of like a World Series as I can think of, right? Because you have it wasn't just, oh, they were supposed to win. This wasn't like the Dodgers winning 110 games and they just coast the whole way. This is a, you know, Snitker had to make moves when it mattered. He brought in Matsick when the Braves were about to blow a blow a lead to the Dodgers when Luke Jackson couldn't find the strike zone and then uh, Tyler Matic has two innings that will go down in like Braves lore like Snitker had to do that and Snitker had to like piece together a game for a bullpen game against one of the best hitting teams in baseball history like you go through the Astros lineup and it's a little bit different when they played in Atlanta but you'd have seven guys that would be the perhaps the best player on most other teams. Like, are you kidding me? Alvarez, Tucker, Bregman, Gurriel, Altuve, Correa, Brantley. Like those guys are all-star caliber hitters. They could all be like silver sluggers this year. And you just, the Braves consistently got them out. Like Alvarez had one of the greatest ALCS performances of all time, won the ALCS MVP unanimously, and then went one for 22 in the World Series, something like that. Uh uh sorry, two for 20. Yeah, two for 20 in the World Series. Like that is kind of special from what the the starters did, even though it was really only Morton Fried and Anderson, and what the relievers did. Matsick was spectacular, Luke Jackson was spectacular, Minter was huge in game one, like I said. Bill Smith shut the door whenever when it mattered. Just from top to bottom as an organization in a year that they weren't supposed to win. You're not supposed to win when you're Best pitcher re- ruptures his Achilles, and you're the perhaps the best player in baseball. Tears his ACL halfway through the season, and at that point they still sucked. They were below 500 until the middle of August. So, what a year!
0: Yeah, the yeah. one, the other person I, I, you know, I know Mets fans have mixed feelings about this, but Travis Darno, like, I, I am pretty i'm pretty happy for him also i think he he really deserves a ring after all all he's gone through i remember when he was with the mets his whole thing was that he could never stay productive and healthy at the same time and i understand he had health problems this year you know he he missed a lot of time and he didn't have the best season but see him you know rise up in the playoffs and you know he had a pretty solid world series at two homers his defense was shaky, but still to see him win a ring finally at long last, uh, you know, good for him too. You know, I think these Braves. I mean, we all counted them out, and I I seriously thought that they didn't do. I mean, they got four, you know, four like out, four outfielders who what you don't think of as superstars, and they gave up basically nothing to get them, and they all like you said, Splash. They all contributed to this championship so any other thoughts on on this uh on these Braves and their run
2: yeah I just want to like this to me could really be the start of something like I think Atlanta has to take that approach that this isn't just one World Series appearance or an NLCS then a World Series this is you're getting Acuna back you're getting Soroka back at some point I guess like you have Ozzy on a highway robbery of a contract. You also have a Cunha on a highway robbery of a contract. Like, go for another one. Like, Alex Anthopoulos has made, I think, seven straight playoffs now. It's 2015 to 2021. Yep. And if the like, go re sign Freddie Freeman, like, as soon as baseball figures out it's CBA, hopefully it does very soon or whenever it can happen, go re sign Freddie Freeman and make it happen again. Like, because in a lot of ways, the Braves were not the best team all year, duh. <clears throat> and there's a solid argument. They weren't even the best team in the playoffs. They ended up winning the world series, but talent wise, like if you went position by position, like, I think one of our, one of our fine coworkers at uh, overtime heroics wrote an article, like the top 10 players in the world series, there were more Astros than Braves on that list. You know, the Astros had more competent starters than the Braves did. And the Astros had Brian Presley who had a better year than Will Smith. So I, I would strike while you have these guys here. I would go all out and try to get as many of those um, <clears throat> outfielder pieces as humanly possible back. So Lair, Rosario, I think Duval is going to be back. Peterson, they had a, they declined his option today, but I, I think Atlanta has to say this isn't just a 2021 thing. This is a we should be better next year because they were on a 106, 107 win pace after the trade deadline. What's to say they can't do 90% of that for the entire season and win 95 games, when the NLEs for this fourth, fifth straight year?
0: It'd be five, yeah.
2: Five years, yeah. <clears throat> so that, that's, that's my final takeaway is you start something. Like, you won a World Series, don't rest on your laurels. Don't say, okay, now, Freeman, you can go to the Dodgers or Angels or whatever, or just let Soler go. Like, go get these guys again because – You look down on the farm and Drew Waters is not what you want him to be. Pache did nothing for the major league team this year. Like the the guy I'm most excited about is a, has an ETA of 2023. So go have another awesome season, you know, put yourself in a position that you don't have to make 10
0: million moves at the trade deadline and try to go win another world series. Overall, I think
1: that with this Braves team, one of the great things it showed is that baseball really does have parity. The best team's not always going to win. And you know what? I love that because in the best team not winning, the best team does truly win because we get to see amazing storylines that really have built themselves up. And this one, there was really a great there was a really easy story that goes with this and it truly is the story of David and Goliath this was a team like Splash said a team in the Astros that was so that was so storied almost I think it's the best word to say it where they had all these players that were award winners world series winners absolutely Basically, legends at their positions. So the best players in baseball, like I think there's some. So I don't remember who it was, but some big personality said that Carlos Correa is the best. Word is the best. They said Correa is the best player in baseball. Which one? That's wrong. But two, uh, it still shows how good this team really is. So I let I look at this, and it's just a story of a t- team that was supposed to win it all that had all the pieces to win it all against a team that found themselves in the right place at the right time through hard work and through uh just sheer determination basically and they made the storybook season happen although i do want to say one more thing on this and then we can move on the braves won the world series and had a worse record than my seattle mariners that just makes me such a sad oh man
0: that's that, that that's the that's the crazy thing you know that's the thing about baseball you know Being ba- you know that's why b- baseball i think is the, it's got to be the toughest sport to predict because you know you yeah you can have all the best players in the world if you you know it's a 162 game season first of all so the chances of an injury is very high you know or it, they're higher than i would say like in the nba season you know 82 games or I guess football, it's high contact, so there is a high chance of injury there too, but it's only 17 games in the season. But in baseball, you have 162 games to get through. And then, you know, it's about who gets hot at the right time. I mean, you get hot in the playoffs like the Braves did, you're golden. But if you're the best team in baseball and you go cold in the playoffs, you're heading to the exit early and your season all of a sudden is a failure. So, yeah, congrats to the Braves, though, and, you know, I'm I'm really uh, curious to see what they do uh, this offseason and in 2022. Um, But anyways, moving on, there was another big storyline, a bit of a bombshell on Wednesday night. One of the faces of Major League Baseball and the face of the San Francisco Giants franchise hung up the spikes this week. Buster Posey announced his retirement in a press conference yesterday. I mean, to me, this was a complete shock. I know some people said they maybe saw it coming, but I want to get your guys' thoughts, A, on his decision to retire, and B, just on his career as a whole. I mean, he, he had a, nothing short of a fantastic career.
1: So I'll, I'll say something just real quick first. I think it was a good decision for him to retire. I know people say he's definitely more in the tank, and I agree. But at the same time, there's something that is so magical about a player being able to call it quits on your own terms. That's something that a lot of players, if you talk to them nowadays, they say they retired because they were forced to. They are retired because their bodies just couldn't hold up anymore. For Buster Posey, he's shown that he could definitely hold it up still for a good while. But he wanted to go out on his own terms. He wanted to go out when he said he wanted to and still playing one of the best seasons he's ever had. So you know what? Hey, I got to give me, mucho, mucho props here at the Buster for deciding to call it a career. And as well with it, his career was one that I think all of us are going to remember just because for me, he was one of the first like, now I don't want to say first because I, I just mean since in my lifetime, the first like generational catchers. He's one that people are going to forever remember for how good he was. He was a leader. He was a great hitter, a great defender. He was an MVP behind the dish. He was one that helped the Giants win, what, three World Series rings? So he's a champion. He's going to go out as – he's going out as a champion. He's someone that is going to be a Hall of Famer. And to the Cardinals fans that say that the second-best catcher in baseball is retiring today – though he can just go away real quick. Uh, just just, just go. Just, just go. Let Buster Posey be in the sunshine. He deserves it. Also, we'll also go not only into the Baseball Hall of Fame, we'll go into the Hall of Fame of amazing names. Sorry. The, the name is just too good not to pass up.
2: Yeah, I, I think I generally echo the Hall of Fame sentiment. Like, I don't have any reasons why he wouldn't be a Hall of Famer. Although... It depends on the ballot if I want to vote him in first time, but I think he's at a certain point. You win three World Series rings, you have an MVP, you're the best player at your position for a decent chunk of your career. You're good offensively and defensively, you're going to make the Hall of Fame. Um, but I do have some pushback. I think Joe Maurer is a generational catcher, and they they kind of crossed. I was going to say that, too. Uh,
0: that's very true. That's very true. They, they were so. both very good, so you know.
2: Tomatoes, tomatoes.
0: Yeah. I mean, so what I I mean, you, you mentioned Maurer, but, you know, in my – I'm actually going to put it this way. I think that when Posey came up, he took over Maurer's position as the best catcher in baseball. Because if you think about it, Maurer was great. In, you know, he won MVP in 2009. You know, he had those great years. 2010, he was good. 2011 is when he started to have injuries and you started to see him move more towards first base. Posey came up in 2010, you know, one rookie of the year. You know, he that's when Posey came up. You know, it's it was interesting, actually. I was researching this again, but Posey started out at first base because the Giants had Benji Molina. And then when the Giants traded Benji Molina, he uh, Posey became the starting catcher. And, you know, he he just he was amazing uh, from, you know, I get, he, you know, he only went two for 17 this first, his first stint in the majors. But after that, I mean, it was all, you know, he, he just consistently knew how to hit, you know, and he, you know, he's a seven time all-star. He got a gold glove, four times silver slugger an MVP, a batting championship. He won comeback player of the year twice. And he won three world series rings. And you got to remember before 2010, the Giants hadn't made the playoffs since 2003, when they were ousted by the Marlins in the first round, and they hadn't made the World Series, they hadn't won the World Series since 1954. And Posey comes in and basically is the catalyst for. Basically, I, I would, would you guys call it a dynasty? I mean, three World Series in five years, albeit they're all sandwiched around to like not so great years. I mean, we can call that a dynasty, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't, I mean, the only argument I see against it is that it didn't happen consecutively, but I mean, having three championships in five years, that doesn't happen. That that's dynasty. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that even
2: hits the, is it the NHL has like a criteria? I think it's three and five. Like that fits the NHL's criteria. So for me in baseball, Sure. Give it, give it to him. I think it's like either back, back to back three out of five, four out of six, something like
0: that. I mean, I'll give it to him anyways. Exactly. So, you know, he guides them to three world series, you know, makes it to the playoffs again in 2016. You know, he, this Giants franchise was struggling. And then when he came up, that all changed. I get they had, you know, it's interesting to see that as his health started to to decline, You know, 2017, they were a last-place team. He was good that year, and he played 140 games. But 2018 is when he really started to miss significant time, you know. And I'm not going to count 2011 because I know that was the year he had that collision with Scott Cousins and had a miss most of the year. But, you know, 2018 and 2019, he missed significant time, and the team suffered from it. 2021, he comes back, has his best season since, I'd say, 2017, and the team wins a franchise record 107 games. You know, when Buster Posey went, so did the Giants. And you know, the you know, I he he was the face of that franchise. You know, I'm you know looking at his numbers. You know, Alex, you mentioned you know what Cardinals fans say about him because of Yadier Molina. You know, I'll have you. I'll have you know Cardinals fans. I'll have you all know that you know Yadier Molina has been in the league for you know two decades buster posey has played about half that time and he has more wins of replacement on baseball reference and on fan graphs you know you do that in half the amount of time so you know and you know offensively obviously he's clearly superior to molina i understand yadi it's hard to top yadi defensively but i mean if people say that yadi or molina is a slam dunk slam dunk to get in the hall of fame the way you know A lot of people talk about it that way, Then I see no reason why Buster Posey shouldn't be. And also, I fully expect the Giants to retire Posey's number as soon as next year. That 28 should hang up there forever.
2: So I have a couple names I'm going to read off. And you guys need to tell me what these four players have in common. Mel Ott, Willie Mays, Barry Bonds, Buster Posey.
1: All baseball players I know.
0: I mean, they all. Right. What they all played for the Giants and won MVP and Rookie of the Year.
2: Uh, no, they are the no, only four the players, in, <clears throat> yeah. they're the only four players in Giants history to lead the team in WAR four straight seasons. We're not talking about like the Braves. We're talking about one of the upstanding organizations and a team with eight world series rings with 23 pennants. There's four players that have been like consistently the best player on a team. And you have, I just listed them. You have a guy with 500 home runs. You have a Willie Mays who some people think is the greatest player ever. You have Barry Bond who some people think is the greatest player ever. And you have Buster Posey. So I may not be the biggest Posey guy, but that's
0: impressive. I mean, I'm I'm I was personally so, I was a huge Buster Posey fan. I uh, I tweeted this yesterday, but you know, I was at a Giants Marlins game in Miami in 2014. And I made sure to rock my Buster Posey jersey because I I you know I just admire the way he played the game, and you know he was just he was one of those few catchers that I've, we've seen in our lifetimes that has been able to put it together offensively and defensively. You know, he was just a pleasure to watch, you know, and he was a great he's a great guy, you know. I think, you know, to see what he did, you know, he, he's a very kind of like Freddie Freeman, very great person, great ambassador for the game of baseball. And you know, it, it's disappointing to see him retire this early, but I respect his decision. Also, I'm glad you mentioned Mel Ott. Uh, Mel Ott was my grandfather's favorite player, so um yeah, Buster, and Buster. Posey was one of my favorite players. So, you know, both both those guys. I mean, the fact that Buster Posey is mentioned in the same sentence as the as Ot Maze and Bonds. I mean, that just tells you how great he was. Um, and uh, the one other question I was going to throw out uh, at you guys while we're on this topic is: so Buster Posey is retiring. You know, on the flip side of things, for the Dodgers, Clayton Kershaw is a free agent for the first time. And I know Kershaw is also battling health problems, you know, lately. You know, he's he's had a number of injuries that has cost him time. I mean, are we heading that way with Kershaw, or is Kershaw – you know, because in my head, for me, it's either been Kershaw is resigning with the Dodgers or he's retiring. I don't know. What, what do you guys think?
2: So – First, I think Kershaw still has it. I I think he's not going to give you 200 innings like he used to. He's not like 2011 to 2017 Kershaw. I'm not saying he's going to be that good. But what I am saying, he can still be a top-of-the-line rotation guy, but with a caveat of he's not going to give you 30 starts, he's not going to throw 200 innings. Granted, there's not tons of guys like that anymore, but – if you can find a role for him as like a, a spot starter, like almost like a sixth man in basketball kind of deal, I I can't think of an example off the top of my head for this, but if you if you can manage his innings, I think he is still a premier pitcher in baseball. I know he had a three five five ERA, which is the highest since his rookie year, but he worked to a 3.00 FIP, which was his best since twenty sixteen. So you're looking at a guy that <clears throat> I I think can still be a a Cy Young caliber pitcher, just not for 200 innings. So first of all, I I don't think he, I think he has plenty left in the tank, but if I'm the Dodgers, I would, I think they have an an embarrassment of riches almost. So they can find guys to say, okay, Kershaw, you're going to have 20 starts for us, 25 starts instead of, you know, trying to get to 30 and we can use David Price or some random guy from AAA because they have a million of them, right? <clears throat> you can just fill in and say, okay, we're going to use you sparingly. We're going to use you against the Giants and the Padres. Like kind of like kind of like how the Angels use Otani, except Kershaw doesn't hit, if that makes sense. So I, I think the the Dodgers would be smart to kind of bring him back and have a have an elite arm because that's that's what Kershaw is. He's an elite arm. He had his worst year in his career. And he had a one fifteen ERA plus, right? Worst season of his career. He has a, a three flat fit. No one does that.
1: So when my main thing is that I think that with Kershaw, I don't think he's done. And I think that he is going to still be a very good pitcher. Is he going to be an ACE? The answer is obviously no, but I do think that he still has some potential in him. And like Ryan said, I like, like uh, Splash said, I think that the Dodgers have an embarrassment of riches. So I think though that's going to turn from him going to stay with uh, the Dodgers. I think that's going to turn him moving away. And I think that he's going to join a new team just for the sole fact of he would like to try a new uniform. Like we've seen a lot of players that say they've been with this one team their entire lives. You know, I'd like to go see somewhere new. And I think, he could very well do that maybe sign just a one-year deal one or two-year deal and say how do I like pitching not for the Dodgers and I know he's always he's going to be a Dodger legend regardless so if anything he will no matter at the very least will retire as a Dodger sign the one-day contract at the very least but I think that when it comes to Kershaw I don't think he's going to retire I think that he still has of the take to keep going and I think he's Definitely still has that drive to keep going. He feels like he has something to prove, in my opinion, because he finally got his first World Series ring in 2020. You know, good for him. I was very happy for Clayton Kershaw to get his ring in 2020. But at the same time, his ability has really started to go down over the last number of years. But I think he wants to use that as some leverage to kind of show that, you know what, I'm not done. I want to keep going and I'm going to show you that I'm going to have this resurgence.
0: Yeah, it's just. I, man, I, I I I can't imagine Clayton Kershaw in another uniform. That's the thing. It's like, say Buster Posey didn't retire. I couldn't imagine Buster Posey playing for another team either. You know? I think if Kershaw left the Dodgers, it'd be, you know, obviously I wasn't alive for this. It'd be like when Tom Seaver got traded by the Mets. Like, you, you don't want – the Mets fans, from what I've heard, Mets fans didn't want to see Tom Seaver in another jersey. And I can't imagine what it would happen – if Clayton Kershaw left the Dodgers, like, you know, or Buster Posey ever left the Giants. I just, I, I can't really see that happening at all. Just, I mean, no, I like, think that's I, 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 can, fair. I don't.
2: <clears throat> I mean, I guess I feel the same way about Freddie Freeman and like Chipper Jones. And there's other guys that <clears throat> like, I would be shocked to see Jacob deGrom in a, a non-Mets jersey I'd be shocked to see like if Derek Jeter had played anywhere other than the Yankees or Mariano Rivera had played anywhere other than the Yankees. Like there are guys like that for sure. But with Kershaw, I think he's definitely in that group of, he should be a one team guy and I hope he stays as a one team guy as much as I don't want to see the Dodgers ever again in the playoffs, but I I don't know. I don't know where he would go. I, people have floated around Texas because he's from Texas. I don't know how truthful that is because Texas is a dumpster fire and a half. but and I would imagine Kershaw wants to win. Fake facts. But Kershaw is also a guy that he's you know 15 wins away from 200 and he's about two seasons away from 3,000 strikeouts. Like I would be pretty shocked if he retired and he's short of those milestones. At least with Posey, he didn't he got to 1500 hits. He had the three World Series rings like there's what else is there kind of to accomplish because if he wants to get to 2,000 hits that's three years at least or another home run milestone who cares about catcher home runs unless you're Mike Piazza like there's uh, granted I don't know these guys um what they what their goals are in baseball but as a fan perspective like if you're a pitcher as good as Clayton Kershaw you want to have 200 wins you want to have 3,000 strikeouts you want to have 2,500 innings. You want to reach these milestones, I would imagine. And I think it'd be cool to do all of that as a Dodger.
0: Yeah. And, you know, that that also, I mean, obviously, I don't know. If there, it's a little different, but, I mean, Albert Pujols is supposedly going to be playing in 2022, and he's at 679 homers. So he's getting close to that 700 mark. And, you know, I mean, I, I feel like for him, it probably, like, the only team I could see pool signing with going into next year is probably St. Louis. I just, I don't know if that'll give him enough playing time to get to that 700, but yeah, you're right. Milestones do matter. And I think Kershaw, you know, Kershaw is closing in on those various milestones, 200 wins, 300, 300, 3,000 K's. So it'll be interesting to see where he, what happens with him. Um, but you know, now that, now that his division arrival in Posey has retired, I, I just, You know, we got to remember also that Kershaw is a year younger than Posey, that, you know, he's only 33. So we'll 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 see about that. But we're getting towards the end of our show today. Uh, Guys, any final thoughts on anything we've discussed today?
1: Yes. So one thing I do want to kind of bring up, it's about Buster Posey. Um, I was just going to do some looking here and I found this insane stat and I just wanted to bring this because I feel like this is incredible. So Buster Posey in his career has caught 1,093 games behind the dish. That's one alone over 1,000 games. is That's an accomplishment in and of itself. But here's the kicker. One of the worst stats that a catcher can have is the pass ball stat. Again, if you have pass balls, it means you've done something wrong. Over those 1,093 games seen at this point, I think... If If you were to do the math of it, probably over, well over a couple million pitches. He's only allowed 27 past balls in his entire career. That is insane. How, again, if we take a look at some pitchers and how wild they can be, but also how fast and how much some of these balls move. The fact that only 27 in this entire career ever got by him. Through something that was his fault. Come on. That's incredible.
0: I, 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 that's, wow, that's like a, that's like a minuscule number. That's, that's insane to think about. Wow.
2: Like that's a Larry Fitzgerald number of drops, Joey Votto pop outs to first base. Like that's kind of in that realm of how the heck did this happen? Or Fitzgerald having more tackles than drops. Wow.
0: So before we go,
1: wow! Before we go too much further, uh, can we agree that there's about maybe 300 pitches per game? Would you say like uh, between one side? Would you say it's probably close to about 175 pitches per team?
0: I I'm trying to think. Is
1: that a good average? I I, I think that's that's fair. Yeah. Okay. So give me a second. I'm going to do some fun math, but I'll come back to me in just a second.
0: Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I'm. I'm thinking in my head. Yeah, I. I think that's fair because I'm trying to think like maybe probably like twenty or so per side per inning. Um. Yeah, you know that that makes sense. That's. I'm trying to figure that out in my head right now. That's that's like a very very low percentage of pass balls. <laughs> I, I I think that's now a bit of a. I would say overlooked, but I think with so much emphasis on like pitch framing and stuff like that, I think that's a bit of a undervalued part of being a catcher these days. And I think that Posey really was good at not letting those pitches get by him. Wow. That's, that's insane.
2: So I saw a number and from 10 years ago, the average was 146 pitches per game. And it was up from 135 in 1990. So I would imagine that's a little bit higher. So probably 150 to 160 per game nowadays. So that's still, if if you're assuming that Posey catches 160, or 160 pitches a game, you have 20 what 23, 27 pass balls over 12, 11 years because he didn't play on the COVID year. That that's insane.
1: So okay, uh, give me just a second. Are we gonna, are we agreeing that it's about 150? Like, is that... 160,
0: 160, 160, 160, 160,
1: outside okay. All right, give me just a... I'm doing some fun math, but I'm already liking a, a lot of what I'm seeing right now. Um, okay, because I'm doing some multiplication, trying to figure out what the percentage is at this point. So you have 1,093 games that he has caught. On average, about one... There we go, yeah. About 160 pitches. That means that... On a decent estimation, that means that over his entire career, he has seen about 174,880 pitches. So now you take that number, and if I'm doing this math wrong, 27 divided I'm not a math guy. Yeah, that's not what I'm going to do. So 174,880. So we're going to do 27 divided by 174,8880. Uh, and then multiply that number by one hundred to get the actual percentage. And that, and looking at this number, Buster Posey, whenever he was behind the dish, had a point zero one five percent chance of that ball being a pass ball in his entire what? career.
0: Wow! And that's
1: over again. How the decade that he played behind the dish. Right now, and that's adding up. That means legitimately at this point, if you just rounded up to like the to the hundred to the hundredths place, that means that on any pitch, it was not one percent chance it was going to happen, not two percent chance. It was 002 percent chance that Buster Posey was not going to catch that ball in front of him. I mean, that's, that's Hall of Fame. That's yeah. Hall of Fame. That's that's not even Hall of Fame. That's Hall
0: of incredible. That's the thing is that because he played in the same league as or Molina, who's one of the best defensive catchers we've ever seen, you know, he only has one gold glove. But I don't think – I don't know if enough people realize just how great Buster Posey was defensively, mm-hmm. in addition to his great offense. Exactly. So yeah.
1: – I'm just, I've yeah. seen that number. I just can't believe it. And actually, to be fair, that number was even lower when we did the ones when I did, uh, did about 170, where it was rounded, Rise, Otherwise, it was at just 0.01%. And dang, man, that, that blows my mind a little bit, you know? I'm, I'm a little jittery thinking about that. Yeah,
0: that that's, that's, man, i that that's that's a crazy stat actually, and I, I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up. Um, Splash any, any final thoughts on anything we we've, we've talked about today?
2: Yeah, I have one. <clears throat> I have one Freddie Freeman stat that I want to fact check before I say it. But I Atlanta Braves, please re-sign Freddie Freeman. Just I don't I don't care what it takes. Uh, well, let me rephrase: as long as it's not like a ten-year contract. I don't care how much money you give him, but as long as it's not like a 10 year ridiculous deal, because he is a first baseman and those kinds of things are weird. But as a whole, I think you, I I think you have to shell out as much as you can for for Freeman, because he is the foundational piece of this roster. He is a guy that has been there since like the dog days, since the years of the Braves winning like 60 games. So I think he's a guy that deserves every penny he gets wherever he gets it. And here's the stat <clears throat> here is every player in MLB history, every first base in MLB history that has more seasons with a 130 OPS plus. That's 30% above average. More 130 OPS plus seasons than Freddie Freeman Lou Gehrig, Jeff Bagwell, Dan Brothers, Cap Anson, Roger Connor, Johnny Mize, Jimmy Fox. That's seven names out of 150 years of playing first base. Freddie Freeman's eight at eight. Guess who else is at eight? Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols is an inner circle Hall of Famer, one of the easiest picks you'll ever gonna have. Freddie Freeman has as many elite seasons as Pujols does at first base. Remember, Pujols played other places than first his first few years, but the point still stands. He has as many as Joey Votto, as many as Mets legend Carlos Delgado. So. <clears throat> Just the, I, mean, <laughs> I,
0: I, I mean, that's one of my favorite first basemen of all time, right? I mean, Carlos Delgado.
2: Yeah, I loved that.
0: But the formative years of my my baseball fandom, Carlos Delgado was the first baseman for the Mets.
2: Yeah, I am into that. So, <clears throat> Braves, re-signed Freddie Freeman. I, I pitched this in one of my articles. Give him a massive, like, a comically large amount of money the next couple years. Say so give him, I don't know, a two-year just humongous deal like kind of like a LeBron contract and then he gets a ton of money up front and you don't have to have the Pujols 10-year contract BS or the uh Josh Hamilton yeah you don't have that albatross of a contract although although if there is a team that could do it it's the Braves when Acuna is getting robbed and Ozzy Albies is getting robbed so I Resign Freddie. I'd love to see like a, I don't know, two year, ninety million dollars, something totally ridiculous, but I mean, have it. Yeah,
0: play. I just cannot. Like we we talked about Kershaw and Posey, like you know, we can't imagine them being on different teams. I can't imagine Freddie Freeman being on another team. I mean, I, I I haven't seen any indications that say he will leave Atlanta. So, I I don't know. I think that Freddie's meant to stay with the Braves his entire career. That's just my take. But anyways, we're coming down to the end of the show. Uh, thank you to Splash and Alex for coming on today's show. You can follow Alex on Twitter at TheSportsGuy242. You can follow Splash at Splashman 19 You can follow myself at Matthias underscore A underscore K. Make sure to follow the Cheap Seats Chatter Twitter account at OTH underscore Cheap Seats and the Baseball Department Twitter account at Baseball underscore OTH. This is our first offseason episode and a rare double upload week. so. Big shout out to everyone for making that possible. And I want to thank all of you for listening. Make sure to tune in. All off-season log will be recording weekly. And thank you again for listening. I've been your host, Matthias Altman-Kurosaki, and I hope to see you all real soon.